Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to the there we go. I haven't done a podcast for a few days, Matt, and I saw you were back and I was like, let's leave it on. Let's leave it on. Matt, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you back in this country. I haven't spoken to you in a while. I missed you. My heart ached. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, it wasn't, hasn't been that long, um, but I did miss the uh, the end of season finale. I was at the game for the Wolves uh, match 5-0. Oh, spicy, oh, spicy it was, win. It was a wonderful day, I have to say. I was, I what was did you do? Of, Talk me through your day. I was sort of dreading it a little bit because obviously, not dreading it, but had anticipated going back and watching us win the Premier League when I booked it on April the 1st. And I've got to learn from that because the moment I pressed book, booked on the flights, basically we went into a downward spiral, completely capitulated. So, um, but we sort of picked it up on the day and I was really expecting the atmosphere to be a little bit flat. And it was the absolute opposite. I mean, it helped that it was a very, very sunny day in it London. Getting wasted at 11 but, o'clock in the morning. But the atmosphere was was electric. It was really, really, really good. I was saying, I think everyone had pre-grieved for all those succession of viewers over there. We'd put out the system. Pre-grieved. I like that. We'd, we'd got the misery over with, and it was just a chance to go and put on a bit of a show. And it was, it was, I mean, it was just wonderful. But the biggest outtake of all, I think, was you know the the, the connectivity between the, between the management and the team and the players at the end, and they did their lap of honour and they had this sort of like big sort of almost like a family picture and everyone was on the pitch and the players were there with their wives and kids, and you really got a sense of togetherness, um, you really got a sense of family, all the things that Mikel Arteta has been talking about. And, you know, sometimes there is this sense that Mikel Arteta can be a bit of a cold, cold-hearted bastard, ruthless in the extreme. Yeah. But I think when you see that, like, firsthand, there's, there's, there's sort of the... I sort of talked about it a little bit with someone afterwards. There's a sense of the intangibles and there is warmth there as well. Yeah, he's you not know, a psychopath. No, he's... He gets he's, it. He, he's he, he's really created a real a real family feel. Um, I think he's really worked hard to foster it, a sense of togetherness, and um, and it really made me feel very very optimistic about the future. I don't think, yeah, when you look at other the plights that other clubs are facing or that Arsenal faced in recent years, this feels like very very different. We feel like one very very content, happy family all of whom are eager to to do better next season. Yeah, I sometimes I was I was thinking about um Arteta and the fans and it's interesting that there aren't there aren't a lot of coaches that really focus on the fans in the way that he did, but that was definitely a uh, that was a day one thought that he had to get the fans on side. I guess he'd seen uh, some of the relationships teeter under Arsene Wenger. I would get the impression with Mikel Arteta, you know like um some a lot of successful people uh like fully aware of their own mortality in a way, you know, not, and maybe not necessarily death, but they're, they're just in a rush to get to the promised land really quickly. Like if, if I'm going to live a life, I'm going to live a life of, of high quality. I'm going to leave 
nothing uh nothing on the shop floor and i'm going to really i'm going to really go for it and i, I think the interesting thing about uh, Mikel Arteta is he is ruthless but he's not a psychopath he's not like um, Mourinho you know i feel like Mourinho just doesn't care uh, not not a particularly pleasant person but Arteta cares about the fans i think he cares about what we've been through and uh, you know the end of the season has come and Arsene Wenger probably would have looked at the side and said listen we're five points off top, like same squad. Let's go again. Uh, let's roll the dice and let's hope something changes. Everyone will get a little bit better. Mikel Arteta is like, no way. I say, we're five points off the top. I know that there are there are five players that need to go. I'm going to upgrade in positions and it's going to make people feel uncomfortable. But what is the point in waiting? We only live once. Um, I want to I wanna, I wanna throw everything at this job. I'm going to roll the dice on getting to 100 points. I don't want five more points. I want to be on a hundred points, and I, I think that the, you know, St- Steve. They, they always said about Steve Jobs that he didn't think that he would live forever, uh, and that you know he, he wasn't surprised that that he went out early. And I, I, Elon Musk is a little bit like that as well, you know, like he he's he's trying to get to where he needs to go really quickly. I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta is the Elon Musk or Steve Jobs of football, but I think his attitude is why wait. Like, I don't want to be in this job for 10 years without winning the Champions League trophy. I don't want to be in this job for 20 years like Mr. Wenger and not win a European trophy. We're going to get shit done quickly uh, and, and and do it fast. And I, I, I kind of get the impression that he senses that the fans are really into that vibe as well. Yeah, I think one of the things we've talked about is the that there is an opportunity for Arsenal to be a dominant force over the years to come and that we will get better and better each year. But... I think that there's one caveat to that, which is you can't predict the future. So what we do know is that we have a window of opportunity probably in the next year or two. 100%. Uh, and, and I think beyond that, we just don't know. And the reason that there's, we have that window of opportunity in the next year or two is because uh, the issues that Manchester City face off the pitch, the, the, the idea that there may be a transition there at some stage, and the fact that Newcastle, Chelsea, Manchester United have all got a bit of a rebuild to do, and we're better placed than all of them to take advantage of it. So I think that's part of the reason for the rush. Um, I think you also begin to get to a point, and I think we're, we're already seeing it with some of our successes, um, it's not hard or that hard to lock down players in their first sort of contract renegotiation. But when you do it for the second time, it's really, really hard because I think you saw that with Liverpool where they just couldn't do it. Like that Mane had to go. They had to pick one to give them the marquee contract to and that was Salah. But suddenly he's on 350 or 375 or something ridiculous. So we've got that window before the... Mane these... were like third trimester players versus... Yeah. I mean, Saliba's first, right? Saka's first. Erdegaard is first. Zinchenko might be the, the second... And then you get to, I've got the world's best player. I've got two or three of the world's best players. Do I want to take them through to 33 and see what that looks like? Yeah, I think these are second to me, just because of the nature of the contracts. And how young they and how long they've been playing. The size of the contracts. Yeah, I think it's almost done by scale. So I think this is a second contract for Saka and a second contract for Saliba because it's not the contracts that they were signed upon. And it's only because they've been so successful that those contracts are likely to be 200k plus. But the next ones, if we if we're successful, the next contracts are all, and with inflation, three three fifty maybe, which is insane to think about. And that's where you start having to make some really really hard decisions, and it really starts throwing um, the whole baseline of pay around the club out of sync. I don't, I, I don't that's a, that's a problem for the club to deal with. But hopefully, it's a good problem because. If Saka and Saliba and Martinelli and Erdegaard are asking for 350 in two years, the chances are we won the league title and maybe the Champions League because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, and if, if we're renewing three players of that calibre, there's going to be someone that goes, right? I, I think that there, there are very few clubs in yeah. the world that can keep players regardless. And one is Manchester City. Two is probably probably Newcastle in three years' time, you know, ownership worth a trillion or whatever it is. And then, um, yeah, maybe like Madrid don't really, Madrid don't really lose players that they want to keep generally. 
So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're in that category, but it's going to be there's going to be some pain when one of them leaves. But we don't need to think about that right now. It sounds like the Williams Saliba deal is trucking along. Sack has signed that up, and you know I, I know that this is this is a night shift podcast. Everybody, we shouldn't be talking about Arsenal. But I d- did want to get your take on you know three four years ago or five years ago or whatever it was we were fucking up with Alexis Sanchez we were fucking up with Aaron Ramsey. Um, you know, we lost a lot of players for next to nothing because we couldn't get our um, our contracts in order. Do you think that it is just success that's changed or do you put a lot down to the administration and maybe a bit of foresight from Edu? Like, what, what what's changed? Why, why, why are we all of a sudden tying down literally every single player apart from that youth kid who went to Chelsea that probably won't be there next season? I think it's mainly success rather than operational excellence. Because I think if you look, let's look at the Saliba deal. Let's break that one down. The Saliba deal, we fucked up um, because we left it too late. We shouldn't be negotiating right now. He's got one year left on his contract. We've got no, we we hold zero cards. This this was a contract negotiation that needed to happen last year. Um, and that should have always been the focus. And I don't think that didn't feel like there was any real focus last year to try and get an extension or a deal done. So, you know, we are literally in a, in, in a poor position to, to negotiate terms with him. He's had an absolute stormer of a season. Um, he hasn't got this like long built loyalty based on how well he's been treated since he's arrived at the club. We've got one year left and we know that replacing him is going to be non impossible and very expensive. So it's been, it, it's not, it's not, hasn't been successful. What's successful is that he's at a winning team in a winning system playing regular football for a club on the up. And because of that, we're going to get out of jail. We're going to pay a bit more than maybe we, we would like to, but we'll get out of it because, um, because he won't be looking around thinking, and his age as well, because he won't be looking around thinking there's other places I'd rather be. If we, were in, if we finished eighth this season and he had a really good season, he'd be gone. He'd leave. Um, so I don't think we can give Eddie, Edu or Binai or any of the commercial team any any props for this one. That this was this was a, a, a mistake. Um, but we'll, we'll I wrote on Twitter the other day that he was mistreated by Arsenal, and so many people jumped on. No, no, no! The low move was what he needed, and it's like, listen, I'm fine with a low move being what he needed, but you should have number one got him tied down to a deal before he left. Number two. He was mistreated. He didn't want to go. Uh, you know, we didn't even give him a chance. So people like seem to have, uh, you know, when Arsenal were doing well, everybody forgets the, the some of the problems that we had. Saliba spent the entire season on loan talking about, uh, you know, Arsenal and how upset he was that he'd been let go. Um, I don't think Arteta fancied him. He didn't fancy him. And then, he, you know, he was kind of forced into bringing him back and giving him a go. And the rest is history. But um, we are definitely paying the price for some of the stubbornness that Mikel Arteta has. But, you know, I, I feel like even if he... T- if, if if William Saliba had signed a deal last summer, we'd probably be renegotiating it right now anyway. You know, in the same way that we're renegotiating Martin Odegaard's contract. Maybe, yeah. Definitely. He deserves it, though. He deserves it. I mean, he is... I, I, I don't think it is obnoxious to say that he is a, a top five centre-back in the world now do you think yeah. that's obnoxious is that I unfair think, i mean he hasn't won anything so maybe that is obnoxious i think the big question the only real big question which i think hopefully the club are, are, are going to use it as part of a way of um of staging this deal is is this what's this injury you know is this something that is going to continue to blight him does it need to be managed is your then, back weak well ex- exactly in which case i mean we were talking about it on the patreon and is there a way of looking at it? Because because my biggest worry is not giving him the money he deserves. It's the impact of giving him the money he deserves on the players around him, like Ben White and and Gabriel, um, who have been stalwarts and absolutely fantastic players. And you can't put them on 100k a week and sleep on 200. You just that that just isn't a way of creating harmony. So my hope is that there's a way where you know performance based he can he can unlock a significant amount of money but we need to make sure that he can last 38 games a season or or, or 32 plus um certainly in the premier league 
because you can't be giving people 200k plus a week if uh, if they miss 25% of the season when it really matters. I do think Mikel Arteta has got a bit of responsibility to shoulder there. It's like, Mikel, I know that you keep on telling everybody that players should be able to play 70 games a season. Untrue. Untrue. You've got We've got to find uh, a rotation option. Interesting that there are a few rumours doing the rounds today that um, Ben White... And, and mm. I wonder, has Mikel Arteta been listening to you, Matt? Because you haven't been happy with Ben White over the last 10 games. A bit of fatigue there. He's played a lot of games. But um, questions over whether Arteta sees him as uh, as the long-term right-back for Arsenal. And listen, let's just do... Let's just connect some of the dots here, Matt, because I've been talking about Cancelo for a while. There are strong rumours that we are still in for Cancelo. And why Why wouldn't we be? Like, get out of my face with... Like, we're... We're too good for Cancelo. No, 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 we're not. That is a that is a top left back, but also he plays right back for Portugal. Do you think it's the right decision to replace Ben White as a fullback? And then you've got White and Saliba that can rotate in and out. You know, that's two, you know, eighty million pound defenders right there. What do you think? Well, first of all, I just want to address this idea that everyone's played too much football because I mean, we didn't play any much in the League Cup. We didn't play much in the FA Cup. Uh, we went out before the quarters in the Europa League. We were playing one game a week. Even if we were rotating those players out and we were playing Champions League and they were they were being subbed out of the of the Premier League game at the end of the week, they'd still be playing two games two games every seven days. Saliba has a, a load based injury. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He has, like so. So he he has, and also remember he had the World Cup that he went through to he the did, final, yeah. where he didn't play any games. Yeah, and he's a young boy. Where he didn't, play any, he didn't play any games in the World man. Cup. He didn't Be play kind. any games. He didn't play any games at the World Cup. He was training hard. He was <laughs> he was he was chasing Mbappe around for fucking six weeks. No wonder he's fucked. I'm just maybe I, I'm just trying to be a hard negotiator. I'm not I'm not Johnny Cochran here. I'm not giving him whatever he wants. I'm saying, hmm, yeah, maybe there's an opportunity there to. Uh, Your bring, body bring... is weak sauce, boy. <laughs> uh, we're back to Ben White. Cancelo coming in at right back, galaxy brain from Mikel Arteta. What do you think? I mean, I I wondered whether it was part of the, the Saliba negotiation, which is to say no one's irreplaceable. You know, if we have to slot Ben White back into centre half to partner Gabriel, I think we'll be fine. I wondered whether there was a bit of that in there. I think, wow. I think a bit of flexibility. I do think Ben White got exposed against against really top-tier opposition. So, um, and uh, really, really fast players. Rashford and Matoma come to mind. Yeah, yeah, really fast with the ball. It's not like he's no slouch when he's just up against like a, a pure pace merchant, but when that pace merchant has got a bit about them, that was when he came a little bit unstuck. You know, he's fine with against a Theo Walcott type of pace, but those two have got, you know, especially he hit them probably when, they, when they, both those players were in peak form. Rashford was in peak form when he played Furious. up, and then and then completely dipped. Mitoma had that uh, purple patch at the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, who who knows? Okay, cool. All right. Well, we've spent seventeen oh, but, minutes. But oh, well, just on that right back though, I heard that uh, Fresneda's release clause went down from forty million to twenty million because they got relegated. Um, and I did think mm, that's an interesting one. We've definitely been interested in him. Arteta likes a, a relegated player with character, you know, cute Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, and I wonder whether we'll, we'll go back in for him. The price is right. Uh, he can interchange at Ben White. He gives us something different. He's more of a conventional right back. Uh, he's got character. Uh, so, yeah, maybe, maybe expect to see something there. It feels like a very Arsenal signing that. Yeah, it does. I'm getting young Nacho Monreal sort of vibes going on here. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, we've we spent a long. We we've got we've got to run this advert, uh, and then we're going to move into normal proceedings. Uh, let's uh, let's go. We've teamed up with Nord VPN, and as you'd expect from the AOP, we only work with the best. Is a problem. When I'm on holiday, Lanzarote most recently, you might remember, and Arsenal went out and put on a show. I wanted to watch it back on Match of the Day, but I couldn't because I was in a different territory. Solution, this little baby right here. 
For the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can click on the app and via their safe and secure service, it lets you set up your very own virtual private network or VPN based around the world. So it can let me log in as though I was in the UK when I'm actually not. And it's safe and secure because you're not using the hotel's network that could easily be hacked and then suddenly I'm getting locked out of my iPlayer account. My son would kill me. He loves his Hey Dougie. You could even use it to benefit from regional flight price variations and get cheap flights the next time Arsenal are on tour. Here at the AOP, we like to help you out with great deals when possible. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash the AOP to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. And it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Do it now. All right, now, well, we're going to go right into our favourite section of the show. I hope that you haven't blown a hottest of takes in that myriad of conversation that we just had there. So you've got seven seconds to think about it. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Man like Matt Candela has been out of the podcast game for about six months now, but he's back. Make six it spicy, months. Matt. I don't know. It feels like it. That's, that's how long it feels when you're not around. So my hottest of takes is I'm on lots of groups and um, I keep hearing that Essentially, everyone's talking about this idea that we're going to get rice and casado and anything else, anything other than that is is failure. And my hottest of takes is all those Arsenal fans saying that, that, that we need that and that's, that's, that's the, the bare minimum need to get their head examined. My hottest of takes is there is absolutely no chance in hell that Arsenal are going to sign Declan Rice and Casado. Not a chance in hell. Have you watched Arsenal over the last 30 years? Um and so we need to recognise that this team, um, it's just, we're not, we don't need to do that. We need, we need, we need one of those players um, and then a couple of careful acquisitions around the squad and we will be set for the season with Saliba signed on. Ooh, a little bit spicy, a little bit spicy. I don't even know where I'm going. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about, Matt. My host of takes this week is... I don't get enough credit for the league performance that we had last year. Remember right at the start of last season when I came out and I worked out mathematically how unlikely it was that our fixture list wasn't interfered mm. with the season before. And it was actually a cunning plan because Spurs fans carried my message all the way to fixture generator HQ. And they, they knew. They fucking knew. They knew what they'd been up to the year before. Um, and they fixed it. And we got a really easy run. If you think that I'm not paying attention this year, because we've got Champions League, and quite often you'll find that Arsenal will uh, Arsenal will get front loaded with the hard games after the Champions League. Let's see what they've got planned this year, because I don't want to see Arsenal away on a Wednesday, and then on a a, a Saturday or is it, it is Saturday? We play Saturday games now, don't we? I don't want to I don't want to see us playing top six games on Saturday. I don't want I don't want I don't want that bad behavior happening this year. So I'm keeping an eye on those fixture lists. Don't worry, Arsenal fans. Um, I'm going to be working out mathematically how badly we've been treated over the years with fixture lists when we've got Champions League games because it hasn't always been good. There's someone in there that's a Spurs fan, and I'm not having it. I'm not having it, Matt. I, I've just I've added in a new banner for our first topic based on this because I'm, I'm, I'm I want to get your 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 thoughts. Let's do it. Community Shield, happy or sad? I am sad. Matt, I might be completely wrong on this, but I feel that we have a pretty good record in the Community Shield. We and it never means anything. It never means anything. You're like, wow, we beat Liverpool. And then it just, and then we get spanked 6 0, 6 0 in the league the next season. I don't like, I, I, I feel like, um, uh, I feel like Arsenal versus City next season is like a, a nice painting. I only want to see it twice, right? I don't, I, I don't want overexposure. I don't want to feel like I'm playing Manchester City. And I just feel like if we lose that game, we lose momentum going into the start of the season. And if we win it, we might start believing too early. Like it just, I, I'd rather not. I'd rather play substitutes in that game. Um, but what do you think? Um, I think there's lots of different ways of thinking about it and indeed overthinking about it. I think we have a psychological block when it comes to Manchester City uh, that we need to overcome. 
And what I think history shows us is that that first win is really, really important because it just sort of breaks the dam of, of disbelief and makes uh, everyone think that it's possible. So I think that it's probably a good thing because I think if we can get that win, and I think City don't take it that seriously. They've lost to Liverpool in the community shield a few times and they've gone on and won the league. But I think it would give us a lot of belief um, and fuel our stops the season. Every time Arsenal has a good season, it's based on a very strong start. We're not like a second half of the season team, as we've seen with multiple capitulations over the last 15 years. We're a strong first half of the team. Um, so I think it can only fuel that. And if we lose, it's just the community shield, so who cares? So I am, I am, I am in for it. And it gives, our, gives, up, gives us a bit of a focal point, gives us a bit of focus before the season starts. So you think it's a free hit and you think that this could be uh, a belief rocket to the moon? I think so. I think so. And remember that, you know, their, their season still isn't over. They're still, whereas our players are all at the beach. So, um, you know, they may be coming back a bit later. They may have less, had less of a preseason, all of the above. Well, while we're on this subject, Manchester City have had a monstrous season. I don't know how many games they've played, but definitely a lot. Um, I think they, they kind of rotate a, a squad of 22. And that's kind of been where their sweet spot has been this season. Do you think that there will be any ramifications for going so hard this season? Because Liverpool had a massive season. They did, you know, they were on for the quadruple, and then it went to shit very quickly the season after. I know that the circumstances are slightly different, but Man City have had no injuries this season. They've had no bad luck, um, and they've everything's gone for them. Do you think that that carries on next season? You, are they that much of a juggernaut or is does sport have its wicked way with you in the end? Um, I anticipate a drop-off, um, but I anticipated a drop-off earlier on in the season. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how, what happens with all the, all the doping charge, financial doping charges, because it feels, did feel like this season. It was that, the moment that all the charges dropped was the moment that they came together and unified and went full throttle, became, you know, the juggernaut. Um, and so, you know, my concern is that there is, they, they're under, even they're under, a, there's a siege mentality next season that continues in. The emotion that we need is complacency. This idea that we've done it, we've won it, there's nothing left to prove. Um, and for that to happen, you know, I don't think we, the last thing we need is a siege mentality. Um, so it's going to be interesting what external forces happen and what that means for Manchester City. Like that answer, like that answer. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to um, another topic uh, that I enjoy talking about. This one I'm a bit confused about. It's the Spurs era. The Spurs new era is in. They uh, they passed on Nagelsmann. They fired Conte. They got rid of Mourinho. Have they finally got their house in order with Postacoglu and Harry Maguire? What What do you think of this Spurs hire, Matt? What does it say about their ambition? And um, you know, what do you expect? I mean, I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about the coach, other than Celtic fans love him. But um, I wondered if you had any hot takes. I wondered if anybody from Celtic has been whispering in your ear. Yeah, I mean, I just, I didn't, I'd never even heard of him, really. Um, and then I saw a couple of videos and he comes across quite well um, as, you know, a sort of a down-to-earth, regular guy. Um, definitely didn't hate him. I'm sure that will change. Um, it seems like a much more realistic hire for Spurs. Um, but... Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. I think the big question is, what does it mean for players? Like, is, is he going to try and start a new era um, and rebuild Spurs and get rid of Kane and maybe Sun and rebuild completely? I'd be more worried about that. Um, whereas, it, or are they going to try and like, you know, keep Kane for another year, keep 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 doing the same thing but with a different coach? I think that's the big question for me. What what strategic direction are they going to go? 
I'd be more worried if they give him the reins to go and do what he wants. If, I think if if they've still got Kane and Son and they're just trying to, you know, do do the same again under a different coach, I think it'll be a total disaster. Well, the the media reports say they were blown away by his presentation uh, in the recruitment process. So, uh, I, you know, I just get flashbacks to when that was Unai Emery with the with the slide deck. It's it's, it's an interesting one because I, I actually I actually quite rate the thinking here you know we we are recognizing who we are as a club we're not a Mourinho or a Conte club we can't be um be that club so they've got someone that's far more likable um into the mixer um he's obviously a good coach um but he's 57 years old so you're not getting some young dynamic thought leader coming into it and he's only really had one truly you know mega successful period and that was with Celtic so on the one hand that you know, Brendan Rodgers came out of Celtic and did a really good job, but he'd already proved himself uh, Liverpool before that. So I, I don't know. I feel like a lot's got to go right here. And um, you know, what is the impression of the Spurs players going to be? I mean, like that—that's not a signing that you make to keep Harry Kane in the mixer. No, uh, your point. Maybe you don't need that. And I, I, the only—the only thing that kind of is that would irk me as a Spurs fan is it feels like they signed this guy because Levy wants more control. And he hasn't had control under... Uh, I mean, he hasn't really had control under the last three managers. Like, you feel like the the Mourinho and Nuno were Mendes signings. And then, you know, Paratici was, uh, was Conte. And, uh, you know, a lot of murky stuff has gone on in his past. It feel like he's like, okay, it worked well under me before when I was managing Pochettino. I'm going to give it another crack. And, you know, Pochettino did well at Southampton. That was a good managerial pick. And maybe he's going, I'm going to go with my gut rather than what Twitter's telling me to sign. Yeah, I think he's just, I think it's as simple as, yeah, I'll give me, I'm, I'm going to try and find the next Pochettino. Um, I, I don't think we know enough about whether it's going to work or not work. Uh, Premier League is such a it's so competitive look at what happened to Graham Potter at Chelsea got absolutely chewed up and spat out um, and then Deserby not a lot of people I mean I, I knew about Deserby because I'm a, I'm a hipster but you know Deserby came in and now Deserby looks like one of the best managers in the league yeah the world and I, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to his his character um, you've got to have the right temperament uh, you've got to have that mix of sort of uh, confidence uh, and emotion. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really know enough. I, I know um, I'm sure Spurs are, are cautiously optimistic. The big question, really, though, is the more the, the bigger question around Tottenham this year isn't around the manager; it's around Harry Kane, because that's the decision that will say we're going for the rebuild, we're going for the big rebuild, or we are just going to try and keep Harry Kane for one more year and just like try and throw the dice and hope we land two sixes and that won't happen. So I'm, I'm really, really hoping that Harry Kane stays at Tottenham one more year. That would be the dream for us because if he went to Manchester United, I think they could really challenge. Oh, I don't want him to go to Manchester United, but it, here's, here's where the Spurs story just reminds you that there's always a bit of Spursiness in the mixer. They're like, Hey, we're gonna go. We're gonna go rogue with this manager. He's a top coach. Maybe he's got some good talent ID. We're gonna get rid of our technical director, and we're gonna sign Harry fucking Maguire. Harry Maguire, thirty years old, three hundred and twenty grand a week, or whatever the hell he gets. Um, Matt, I don't think that's no, real. I don't think that's a there real. There is surely story. no way that they can go and sign Harry Maguire. I don't think that's a real story. You don't think? Hey, Harry Kane's best mates with him. They go and they 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 rent little scooters and they go around the hotels together. No it's way, like romance. You don't think so? No way. No way. All right. Okay. Let's move on to our next topic: Saudi Arabia, thirty-something haven. Uh, Sa- the, the the Saudi basically own all the clubs in Saudi Arabia. They're all state-owned, which uh, I guess makes things easy from a management perspective. Uh, Al Itiad have just signed Karim Benzema. They're dropping a casual 200 million a season in his pocket. And rumor is 
next on the uh, <laughs> next on the list of I want to sign him is Lionel Messi. They want to give him three hundred and fifty million, and I'd be a bit miffed if I was Leo Messi. I'd say, listen, you offer Tiger Woods eight hundred million to leave the PGA Tour, and the PGA Tour has just been bought. Uh, by the the Saudi government as well. We're all going to be working uh, for the Saudis at some point. <laughs> so watch your watch your p's and q's. And um, Matt, Saudi Arabia is this? Um, this feels like the new China. Remember when China went on a bit of a spending spree a few years ago and then gave up? Uh, what's going on here, Matt? Um, Two hundred million a season. Are you kidding me? Well, and then and then the one that really got me was Kante. He's going hundred million a season. Um, imagine imagine. I sort of understand it a little bit more when it's just like the superstar like Messi and Ronaldo that people can say I think is a great player but like (laughs) why are you spending 100 million on DM in the the Saudi league (laughs) you know it doesn't make any sense just spend it on someone who can knock in a free kick it's 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 bizarre Um, but you know, it's becoming this place where I think players are now just at uh, uh, Zaha as well, right? Um, Zaha, really? So it's becoming a place. What are they where... offering Zaha? Surely, surely like 240 grand a week. <laughs> they, think... they cannot be going in with a uh, hundred million for him. It's, it's, it's outrageous, but it's now just becoming the place, which is right. I'm, I've got my, this is my last contract. Uh, you always had your last contract. At, you got your thirty last contract, and then your thirty-two, thirty-three last contract. This is, this is the final contract. You know, you sign it at thirty-two, you do two years, and then that's your, that's that's the money for the rest of your life. And but uh, fifty million a year, or twenty million a year, or thirty million a year, that's not your last contract. I mean, if someone offered me that right now, I'd be there. Yeah. Right. I mean, like they they could really pick off a lot of players. The only thing is that, that you know, there's not a, there's not a culture there for the game in the same way. You know, like the, like Ronaldo is not selling out stadiums there, so it's literally it's just it's just the prestige of doing it because you can. Money talks, right? I mean, it does. I mean, I, like I don't blame the players. I mean, you, like if I, someone said, "Can you will you go and spend the next five years of your life in well, the next ten in Saudi Arabia uh, working at a design company?" Uh, for ten million a year, <laughs> I could be gone right now. All right, I will. I am packing my suitcase right now. I'll see you there. Yeah, you what brands am I working on? Aaron Co. Al Itiad. Fantastic. I'm there. I'm there. Say, so, well, what about a rebrand this team? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'll, I'll do the I'm shirts. Uh, yeah, but it's. Um, yeah, Wilfred uh, Wilfred Zahar, three-year deal. Al Nasser, so he would be playing in a front three with Cristiano Ronaldo. What was tw- the twenty million? <laughs> twenty million a year. Uh... That is unbelievable. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Where is it going to stop, Matt? Where is it going to stop? <laughs> Probably me going for ten million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like, hey, we need to buy up some podcasts. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> we will enter the negotiations. We will enter the negotiations. All right. I think, okay. I think the Arsenal opinion would, would be a good acquisition for uh, the Saudi royal family, right? Yeah. Just li- listen, I'm not talking unless there's 50 million on the table, but I can be bought. I can be bought. Um, <laughs> Uh, Matt, that does, uh, I mean, a bit of uh, like work-life uh, podcast crossover here. The, the the Lionel Messi deal with Barcelona doesn't appear to be going very well. I mean, Barcelona, how, how are you rolling up to the conversation with Messi again? You've got no money. Everybody knows you've got no money. You pulled all your levers last summer. How are you rolling up with this conversation? But um, the, the, the choice with Messi appears to be Saudi Arabia, 350 million, or potentially into Miami. And guess who's playing into Miami July 15th? Oh, yes, St. Louis City SC. Um, and the secondary market is already starting to bubble for those tickets. So if you want if you want a ticket, you're going to have to give me some of that £10 million fee that you're getting from Saudi. Wow. Do you think he'd, he'd play? Do you, do you think, or do you think he'd be, have a break? I don't think you could have a break at that age. I think that, you know, it's, it's like a, a classic car if you don't turn it on. You know, if, you, if your body's cooking, you just got to keep on going through. I think that I wonder whether he'd be considering 
I mean, I shouldn't really be talking about this, but I just I wonder whether he's looking at 2026 World Cup being over here. Um, you know, it won't be as lucrative as 350 million, but getting a you know whatever the potential deal is, I, I'm sure he's not being underpaid uh, in his offer from um, from MLS, Apple, Adidas, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. I think that I, th- I just think it might sit a little bit better with him. Um, you know, money money talks, but I don't know whether following Cristiano Ronaldo to Saudi Arabia, he's sort of got the moral the moral high ground a little bit anyway. And that sort of does matter when they're talking about the two of you as who's the greatest of all time. I think uh, I think maybe an Inter-Miami deal with that big sort of Latin contingent, Spanish-speaking contingent might be uh, on the cards. Well, I'm backing it, Matt. Um, I want him in the I want him in MLS. I want to be meeting him down at City Park, giving him a big high five. Um, all right, I wouldn't do that. Signed so shirt? You, would you get a signed shirt? No, I would, no, no way. I'm not that guy. Never. I would. I would look at him, um, and I would maybe, if I walked past him, try and brush close. But I would. I would never ask for. A would you shirt. go over and be like, "Hey, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else," and walk off? I would. I would. No, I wouldn't. I, I, I would try. I mean, it, it would be amazing to see him. I've seen him quite a few times, though. I've seen him destroy Arsenal about 50 times. There's not much of a, there's not much of a novelty. And it always looks the same. It's, all, it, it's, it, it's a belied belief by the end. It was just like, this is yeah. getting boring. I yeah. saw him score four in the new camp against us one time, I think. Yeah, so, not so not impressive. enjoyable. I would, I, I would, I would enjoy seeing him in America. I think it'd be a great move for him, but um, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't have fond memories of him uh, in destruction mode uh, against against my teams over the year. All right, let's go on to uh, another topic. Ibrahimovic. Um, he has finished his career. He's finally retired. Uh, famously, he was offered a trial at Arsenal and he told Arsene Wenger he does not do the trials. Um, a cl- he had a classic book that came out that was completely ghostwritten and made up, according to journalists in the know. Uh, but what a career. Um, he played in MLS, scored some spectacular goals. Um, talk to me about Ibrahimovic, his career, and uh, do you think he's got the personality to get into management? So I've seen a lot of people on, on like LinkedIn talking about Ibrahimovic and you know, a lot of people with eulogies almost around what a wonderful player he's, he's, he, he has been. For me, he never did it for me, personally. Never did it for me. I just thought, uh, never wanted him at Arsenal. Um, thought he was a good player. Never thought he was a great player. Um, just, just didn't, 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 didn't really sit right with me the way he, he was always going on. So, I'm probably the anomaly there. Most people seem to have a lot of fondness for him. So, I'm, I'm intrigued to see whether, whether, whether you have a different point of view. I'm the same, Matt. I'm the same. I, I thought the I, I remember his time at um, United. Yeah, and it, it was just it was just it was very unimpressive. Average, yeah, average, and like I I didn't like the law, you know, like the 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 quotes, the ego. I mean, I I respect what he did, but I thought he did very well, sort of shuffling himself around according to places that would suit his abilities at his time. You know, like, he didn't do very well at Man United and he didn't really make them better. He didn't do well at Barcelona. Pep got rid of him pretty quickly and he's a great judge. And then, you know, like, the the other clubs that he went to, I don't know. And and he was very good at taking credit for things. Yeah. You know, like, like what was the story with Milan? I played with two busted ACLs or whatever. It's like, oh, come on. It just gets a little bit boring after a while. Um, I thought he was great for spectacular moments, um, but not my. Uh, you know, I, I, I won't. I won't miss him like your friends on LinkedIn. No, yeah, I think you just you just summed it up. For me, he's a relic. You know, um, modern football is so fast, so team based, so systems based, uh, and he he's almost Özil like, yeah, to an extent in that he was he was capable of genius. Uh, but somehow, ultimately, when you look back, uh, the great moments were, were few and far between. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm glad that glad that we agree. 
Yeah, and um, it would have been interesting if he'd uh, if he'd come to to Arsenal. I mean, what what like you know he had a he had a long long career, and you got to you got to salute the, his ability to keep his body in such good shape. A lot of yoga goes into preserving your um, your career into your forties. Be interesting to see what he does next. Is he going to be a pundit? Um, is he going to be a manager? Is he going to take over the Swedish national team, or is he going to be an entrepreneur like Matty Flamini? Um, with his billion dollar company. He's Who no Flamini. He's, he's no Flamini. No All right, let's go on to another favorite topic that we like to talk about Chelsea. Chelsea are uh, <laughs> always fully capable of embarrassing themselves. This week is no difference. There was rumors that Todd Bowley was going back to the United States, tail between his legs after an absolutely shocking season. Nine million a point um, they spent this year, 400 million. Got them 44 points. Incredibly poor return. Pochettino is back. I don't think he's at the training ground yet for some reason. But Chelsea are busy out there trying to sign players. Ugarte, um, the sporting midfielder, has been um, on the lips of PSG fans and Chelsea fans. But the twist in the story, the what the fuck moment, was that Chelsea offered to buy a minority stake in sporting as part of the deal. It was so weird PSG wrote a complaint letter. <laughs> PSG were like, listen, boss, I will, we'll, we'll skirt the rules around here, but we will not be buying minority stakes in clubs that are going to be in the Europa League next season. I think there were denials from Chelsea, but um, you, you'd imagine that PSG got that on pretty good authority and the Athletic have been writing about it. The player has gone to PSG for 60 million, which has Arsenal fans worried about Caicedo. But Matt, just um, just talk to me. Is this inexperience at play? Is this um, Chelsea thinking that everybody else is stupid and that they've got the secret sauce? Like, what is happening with Chelsea? And you've got Chelsea friends. I've got Chelsea friends. What are they thinking right now? I think the thing about it is it's it's sort of a very entrepreneurial approach. Um that, that, that I think Todd Bowley and Chelsea adopt. And, and so I do understand it, and I don't even hate it in principle. It's this idea of like, how can we get this deal done? You know, the sort of the classic, like, what do we need to do to make this happen type of approach? Um, but the problem is that football is a fucking snake pit, and you just can't get away with dodgy shit like this. And... Just the idea that you're going to essentially like sweeten them by 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 buying a minority stake in a club and make letting it be publicly known is so amateur. It's so so amateur, and it's really unsurprising that <laughs> when PSG suddenly become the moral arbiters for the sport, you know you've been a fucking idiot. And so this is just more fuel on the fire that. I don't think this the, the craziness at Chelsea is, is going away anytime soon. What, what do you think? I, I I think that there are a lot of stories, and I've been told a lot of things where it just seems the the people running Chelsea don't really get um, European football. They don't really understand the rules. They don't understand the consequences of their action. You know, whether it's uh, thinking that they can buy a player's contract without the player um, giving permission that they want to join a club. Um, like there's just been a lot of um, embarrassing stories coming out of them. And I feel like this is just another one where they're all sitting in a room. They've all had a few drinks. And they're like, why don't we just buy a chunk of sporting without considering the the rules around it say that you can't have a, a, a stake in a club that plays in European competition. Yeah, Chelsea don't have European competition. But they also thought that they, uh, they'd always be in the Champions League. Just another weird decision. So it just reeks of a club that is lacking direction, that's trying to get a foothold in, um, in, in try, trying, to get a, uh, trying to get respect. You know, like I sometimes feel like, you know, like um, if you've embarrassed yourself and like I, I can't even think of a, of a great of a great way to frame it. But, you know, like sometimes when you, you, you make a mistake at work and you try and over, overcompensate, and then you overcompensate by making another mistake and you keep on digging a hole, but you're just trying to prove to everybody that you're competent. And in the process, you really show everyone you're an absolute idiot. And I feel like this is what's going on with Chelsea at the moment. It's like 
their their big play was, listen, we're going to give everybody nine-year deals. And now they've got a situation where that's looking like that could backfire because they're they're not going to be able to clear the squad. They loaded up um, with young players and paid three times the amount of money and it blew up. They signed Graham Potter and got rid of Tuchel and it's blown up. And it's like they've got to prove to the Premier League that they, they know what they're doing. And I think that they're all thinking, this is fucking, guys, look at us. Look at us. How clever are we? And you know I, what? You know what? I think is going to be the really, the really interesting one, the litmus test. Because one of the things I've been surprised at is how the players seem to be really, the players really want to leave. Um, like Kai Havertz, it looks like he's said he's desperate to leave. Might go to Real Madrid. Pulisic, desperate to leave. Uh, Mount, desperate to leave. Um, and I'm surprised because these guys are all on big contracts. And when we had players on big contracts, they didn't want to leave because it was very cushy. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't get rid of them. And so I'm just like, isn't it? Well, what's going on? How, why do all these players just so, so quick to... Is it, is it, is it I, that bad? No. Uh, I, 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 well, I, I, think it is, I think it is that bad. Absolutely. I've been told that it is, it is way worse than you imagine because it's not just the players, it's the staff and it's the technical. It's like it, the, it's throughout the club. I mean, Pochettino is, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't last longer than seven months. It's a bag of shit over there. But the, um, I, I think with Kai Havertz, Pulisic and um, uh, Mason Mount, they're young and good and they have offers. But what about the players that they've signed that well, aren't reaching well, the heights? Because this is the litmus, the litmus test for me, Raheem Sterling, because he's he's on big money. You know, he's on what three twenty five, three fifty. Um, he's one of the highest paid players in the Premier League. With his form, there is no way he's getting two hundred. He's getting one fifty if he goes anywhere else. He's just not, not going to get any more. And I'm and I'm most intrigued about what he's going to do. Because by the way, Mudrick plays in the same position as Raheem Sterling. I mean, you can't make it up. And they and uh, did they uh, they signed uh, Nkunku as well, right? Nkunku as well. So they all play in the same position. <laughs> it's, it's disaster planning. It's disaster planning. And I, I just and, don't and, know and any of those it. any of those players could do a job. They're all good players, right? It's just <laughs> they can't all play on the left hand side at the same time, unless Topoli is going to revolutionise formations. Yeah, just so, like heavy stack the left. Yeah. Have no right side. That's our that, that's our killer move. Yeah, it's not um, it's not good. I mean, it is good for us. It is good for us, but it just does to show you the banter's not going to stop this summer. No, and I'm and I'm amazed that they're just trying to sign everyone. But you do get serious vibes that they are going to make Casado now their number one, uh, their number one. Uh, but but like I said, we're not going to get Rice and Casado. So just if they get Casado, it means. We're more likely to get rice. Yeah, I don't, like if if we are in for him, if we are in for Casado, why would he go to Chelsea? Like if you're tw- like he doesn't like. I think we can offer him good money. We can offer him Champions League football. We can offer him stability. I mean, like his agent can't be thinking. Listen, you need to go to Arsenal because if you want to play for Real Madrid one day. You need to have a, a success platform and you're not going to have a success platform at Chelsea for at least three or four years while they sort their stuff out. So yeah, Chelsea are offering you an extra 20 grand a week, but like, let's look long-term. Let's plan your career properly. Let's look at what Haaland did. Haaland didn't go to Man United um, straight out of Norway. Uh, you know, he went to, he went the, the Red Bull route, then he went to Dortmund and then, you know, he landed at Manchester City and now he's an absolute monster. Casado should be thinking like that as well. Like Arsenal is a great platform if you want to go to Madrid, I think. Yeah. Not that I want to be thinking about our players in that way, but you know what I mean. Yeah. All right, Matt. Um, big question. West Ham United. Um, uh, they play in the Conference League against uh, Fiorentina. Uh, are we happy to back West Ham? We had... Um, we had a West Ham, West Ham podcaster on last week. Lovely yeah. guy. He said that he thought Arsenal were harmless. He said the end. He said we've got something lovely in common. We both think we hate Tottenham the most, which I thought was a nice answer. They also hate Chelsea. Um, West Ham like, conference final. I feel like I, I feel like I can back this. Yeah, I like the Hammers. Um, that that West Ham fan knocking the Chelsea guy out was 
one of the moments of the season from a oh my word that look, that look. what the the older guy the older guy can you imagine being that mean i'd never go to a football game again well there's two there was there was the stuff in against zagreb the, the older guy who single-handedly took on zagreb's firm and then there was the, the guy who with glasses who knocked out the chelsea fan he was mouthing off outside the ground um i mean both absolutely hilarious moments where so quite ironic that the two best moments of West Ham season are both fighting uh, from fans. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in on the hammers. I can see, I can see it now. Um, you know, a one nil win. Declan Rice with the goal, saying goodbye at the end, um, thanking the fans. Uh, you know, taking 15 minutes to walk off the pitch, uh, and then getting getting ready to to go and deal with some serious stuff next season. I do have one weird question though. Why is the Europa why was the Europa League last week and the Europa Conference League this week? You'd think they'd be building up that this would be the Europa League this week. They would have done the conference first and then we'd have the Champions League on on, on Saturday. Weird, yeah, right? It is it is odd that they didn't they didn't think that stacking them in order of importance was uh was important. Yeah. Bit odd. Great, great for West Ham fans though. Nice little European night. It's a little bit like winning the Cup Winners' Cup. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, I think the Cup Winners' Cup is a, it was, was a better cup. Yeah. Another, another, another question for you. Why is it called conference? Because you know, like you've got, you said the Vauxhall Conference. Is it still called the Vauxhall Conference? No. Why, why is it called conference? I don't know. It sounds a bit cheap, doesn't it? Maybe it sounds really nice in Italian or something. Conference. Like conference. conference. Um, yeah, got no idea. Got no idea. Bit of a weird tournament, really. But I guess if it gets you back into Europe after the season West Ham have had. I mean, West Ham, I think, have accrued the third most points in the second half of the season. Ooh. Something like that. I think they've been good. Oh, or the last, oh, the last 10 games. The last 10 games. Because Aston Villa were first. He's a good coach, David Moyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll have to think really hard if they want to upgrade. Um I don't think there's an obvious person to take over. Although I thought um, Graham Potter to Crystal Palace was quite an interesting one. Oh. That would be a good signing for them. I thought he was going to go Tottenham. That was my that was my. Thought. That would have been the move. That would have been the move. I think most Tottenham fans think that as well. Beautiful football, um, you know, progressive. <laughs> like he's not dealing with the big egos that he was at Chelsea. Um, missed missed opportunity. All right, Matt. Let's talk about the Champions League final. It's Inter Milan versus Manchester City. I am giving Manchester City. Um, a 99% chance of absolutely smashing Inter Milan. But we know finals aren't always that easy. But, I mean, please. I mean, Inter Milan should not be in this final. Um, Matt, what do you make of this? They're going to beat them by... by I don't think they're going to beat them 4-0. Um, yeah. I'm actually good, might have to put a bet on that because I think... Uh, I think they're going to absolutely destroy them. I don't think there's any other outcome. Then, like, um, you're, if you're not champions of Italy, at the least, um, I don't see how this happens unless there's something cataclysmic happens. I can't see it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think Pep's going oh, Pep's going to ga- galaxy brain it. It was interesting reading about you know going back to the the last Champions League final against Chelsea when they lost. Um, I didn't realize he didn't play Rodri. Uh, he played a very attacking lineup. Came unstuck. Um, wasn't a good performance. I don't expect anything like that this season. I think he's going to put out his first choice and set them into steamroller mode. Um, and, you know, people have been asking, what do you want? Do you want them to win the Champions League? I was like, yeah, win it all and then get Pep bored so he can fuck off. And then yeah. it's our turn. One more year, little victory lack, and then see you later, Pep. We're bored of you. Get out of the yeah. league, my friend. Yeah. Get out of the league. Exactly, exactly. All right, Matt. Okay, well, we're closing in on the hour, Matt. Uh, what's your AOP, AOB? Well, bloody hell. I don't really have one. Um, I think. What about that good. gold shirt? That should be your AOP, AOP. You're wearing a gold shirt. If you're listening, Matt is wearing that beautiful 2002 gold shirt. Talk me through it. I was back, back in London, and, uh, and I found, all my old, found a bag with all my old shirts, of which this was one of them. Um, love these shirts. Tried them on that. You forget the fit is so bad compared to what they are now. They they look so much nicer. They're sort of like this big sort of shiny like boxes. Um, but what a special time! What a time to be alive. Two thousand and two, 
Sylvain Wiltord, Old Trafford. I was there. You know the coup. So, Were you there? Were you at that game? I wasn't at the game, no. I couldn't get a ticket. Um, what a what a result. Um, and um, and yeah, you know, we've got gold back on the shirts this year. Apparently the, the home kit is the biggest, highest selling kit in the first two days ever. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced by it, but maybe it'll grow on me. I think, um, I, nice. know... I think they I think they stick the classic on that home kit and then they go they lose their minds on the away one. It, it, do you think it's the is it the fingerprint? Is that what we, we've got? I think so, yeah. I yeah. but I, I think it, I don't I don't a hundred percent know, but it feels like that's gonna be the third kit. Yeah. Um and then maybe they do uh like what, what we do. Are we do are we do a are we we normally do a yellow one, right? But a yellow that, or a blue but one. But the fingerprint's yellow. Oh, you you think that that's what they're palming it off as? I, it's, I, I think I, I like. Gonna, I think I think if if that's the kit, I think that's the one I'm going to buy. I might I buy think, that as well. I think it, I think it's quite iconic. Big question for you, Matt. You're uh, the design guy on this call. Um, are we changing the Arsenal opinion branding to fluorescent yellow and uh, and black? I don't think so, but I think we're definitely we definitely do a little brand refresh over the summer. Uh, get some stings, get some motion graphics. I like get, it. Get some, uh, yeah. We, I think we we need a bit of a, a bit of an upgrade. Been looking we need a new at, shirt. been looking at, been looking at some of the other uh, podcasts doing their stuff. Uh, other Arsenal clubs, non-Arsenal clubs, different categories. I think there's some room to uh, to improve. We want to be the best. Uh, so that's what that's what the summer's there for. We're gonna we're gonna be like Arsenal. We're gonna go big in the summer. Fantastic! I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And if you are listening to this podcast uh, and you're on iTunes, get on there, leave a little comment, five star reviews only. Um, we'll be very thankful for that. Uh, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, and if you like this sort of content, we're going to be doing a Patreon once a week um, through the summer. Uh, where we'll do some extra fun stuff. We might bring on some guests. That's patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. It's only £3.50. And uh, then when we get into the season, we really ramp it up. So uh, thank you to our patrons. Thank you to, if you're just listening to this, it's going to be a fun summer. It's going to be action-packed. And we will be back later on this week to have a more Arsenal-focused podcast. Isn't that right, Matt? That is correct. Fantastic. All right. Well, I will say on that note, we'll turn the loop off and we will say ciao for now. Podcast Network.